I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Dong merrily on high, Merry Christmas, and welcome to a Christmas special of Smash Pod with me, John Rain, or should I say, near Nodge. Um, oh, I see what you're yeah, doing there. So, I see what you're doing. You're jumping yeah. to the end almost there with that uh, one. It's a little, little bit of an Easter egg for everyone listening. <laughs> uh, uh, join us as we head to <laughs> Victorian London to find out whose game is afoot. Long. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. And, and yes, it's young Sherlock Holmes we're going to be talking about. And joining me to toot and come in is Paul Gannon. Oh, my God. I've just realised I remember what your style is. And I know we're going to have to put up with as many piss poor gags as possible between now and the end of this plot. Hi. Right. Hello. I'm, get, I'm just getting ready. It's early for me still. I'm a, I'm a nighttime kind of guy. So mm. recording in the day is mm. like asking uh, Dracula mm. to go out and do some gardening <laughs> on a warm summer's day. Uphill gardening. That's a different discussion that we're not having on this podcast. That's the poor <laughs> porn parody of Dracula, where he sucks penises. Hang <laughs> on. <laughs> Dracula hard and loving it. <laughs> How about that? It's brilliant. He can only survive if he, if he drinks semen. And I'll just do this one, get out of the way, because it's on, in my head, and if on. I don't get it out, I'll regret it. <laughs> Hand strokers Dracula. <laughs> How about that? It's very <laughs> I'm trying to think of one for Van Helsing. It'll come to me, as it were. Van Helsing. Van Helsing, <laughs> there God, we I can't go. believe you didn't get that. <laughs> well, here's a good start. Oh, in the well. spirit of Conan Doyle. Uh, or should I say, Nanog Lop? That's your name backwards as well. Yeah, no, I know. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Uh, nice to be here for one of my true, true favourite films. Yeah. Yeah, I've been wanting to do this for ages. 
Mm. Oh. And I liked it when you got in touch and said, hey, do you want to do a Christmas episode? And I was like, yeah. And you went Home Alone 2. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck off. Don't, then... don't lift the veil. Well, you've probably put that one out already by now, haven't you? No, I'm not going to do it now. Oh, well, in that case, yeah. Mm. So we went out, so I suggested this because even though it's not up front and in the frame of the story, it is a Christmas film. It is. It is set at Christmas. Is it? Yes. Yes. It is. Because at the beginning, you know, without jumping too far mm. ahead, mm. Uh, you hear carols in the background when he's having his uh, pheasant. That's right, yeah, when he's having a bit of bird. Mm. Um, this, I went to see this at the cinema, and I don't know if you remember rightly, it's been erased from history. It was yes. called... Young Sherlock Holmes and the Pyramid of Fear. Yeah, because I remember my uh, rainbow book and tape was called exactly that on the cover. Yeah, because they were trying... It's according to the trivia, they were trying to cash in on Indiana Jones being called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And if you think about it, they're very similar films. Well, yeah, Temple of Doom, very similar in very obvious ways towards the end. But I would say, tonally, Young Sherlock Holmes is better and consistent. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's not as uh, culturally insensitive. What? No, no, it doesn't have a... what. Here's what white people think Indian culture does mm. and action. We don't put the brakes <laughs> on this film so we can look at a dead monkey's head and go, Ugh. No, although to be fair, I bet there are a lot of people from Egyptian descent who are like, that won't fly with me. Yeah. So there's probably a little bit of that going on. This film's Sphinx. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That was the front cover of the Egyptian <laughs> Times. That, that oh, year. no. <laughs> I'm not quite ready for this. Oh, okay. I'm not going to okay. do the denial joke. Don't worry. Oh, that's a shame because I've written that one down ah, for later. Oh, oh, we'll, we'll forget I said that. Yeah. All right. Uh, we begin the film though with ben- Bentley Bobster, who sounds like he's like a, a action figure from like uh, Action from, Force. Yeah. G. Which I is Joe. the thing? Is that really the character's name? Yeah. I didn't Bentley Bobster because because Chris Columbus who wrote the sc- uh, screenplay for this. Yes. Must have like reached into a bag of random mm. Victorian sounding names and pulled yeah. out a load because you get wax flatter. Mm. And to be fair, they do sound you know kind of appropriate for the genre yes. of that Sherlock Holmes thing. But if that's a real name, then he fucking tossed that one off. They get asked the first character, fuck him. And you only hear his name mentioned like once, but in Wikipedia he's listed as Bentley Bobster. <laughs> that's the kind of bullshit I would make up drunk. <sighs> Bentley Bobster sounds like a guy from Cheap Show. Yeah, no, it is a cheap show character. Yeah. And he's probably got an obsession with gonads. So, <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm guessing. I'm just imagining how different the opening would be if he was obsessed with gonads. That little <laughs> pheasant would have turned into a giant pair of balls. <laughs> that, that's, that's, it wasn't, it's not too far removed from what you get in the film anyway. No, no. But excitingly, though, Bentley Bobster's played by Patrick Newell, who, if you're mm. a fan of the 60s TV series Avengers, was mother. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's funny because I didn't do proper research into this because I kind of like didn't bother. Yeah, uh, sure. But you do go through that film and you go, oh, I know that guy. Where have mm. I seen that guy? And it ends up being like Bond or it ends up being, you know, some like old British series of films. But I don't know, whatever. It's it's that kind of state. Or Sherlock Holmes. A few of them are in the old well, Sherlock Holmes things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Including, I don't know if you noticed this, but the guy playing young Sherlock Holmes in this is playing Sherlock Holmes. Well, yes, there's that, and, and, and that, I did notice that. Yes, and it's interesting because it's very important that you cast someone for that role when you're making a film about the character. I think it's very important. Can you imagine that? Just cut, 
casting everyone in the film bar the main star. Just... And every time it cuts to Sherlock Holmes, there's just nothing there. <laughs> nothing there. <laughs> and they're reacting to nothing. You're right, Holmes. <laughs> yes, Holmes, the game is afoot. Fuck's this. They I mean, didn't sort this out. When you think about it, it's no wonder this film didn't make much money if they didn't actually cast the part. That, you know what? That mm. fact does break my heart. It does, I, me too. When you're a kid and mm. these films come out, you see them in Looking Magazine or whatever, oh. you go, oh, it must be the biggest film ever if this magazine's covering it and I went to see it. And then you hear years later, it was a massive disappointment. You think, yeah. oh, but I thought everyone went to see it. Yeah, and it's also everything's happening under the banner of Steven Spielberg Presents. Yeah. So yeah. that was a sign of quality in the 80s. It was, wasn't it? And it, yeah. it kind of it kind of wasn't. But at the same time, it got a lot of people work. Yeah. I mean, up until Hook, the man had a magic touch for, for a small mm. period. Mm. I'm, Very I'm not, magic I'm touch. not saying anything. Um, yeah. What about the band Genesis? Yes. <laughs> that, they had a visible touch. That wasn't magic oh, touch. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Mm. I, I'm, I'm getting my touches wrong. Yeah, that was a song is... about the film Hollow Man. <laughs> Hollow Man, the film where the man turns invisible, and his first thought is, "I've got to go look at a pair of tits." I mean, come on, <laughs> let's be honest. I, we would. Would you? I'd go into. I'd go into a cinema or something and just start knocking people's popcorn over. That's mean. Why would you want to do that? I would do With something a bit. Okay, well, in that case, <laughs> I wasn't sold on it until you mentioned the knob bit, and then I was like, you know what? That kind of makes sense now. But Bentley Bobster, he's walking along, and then he's like, "Oh, something, something on the little." Little thing on the back of his neck. Mm. We don't. He doesn't know what it is. Doesn't know. But he's going to go and have. But God damn it, he's going to go and have his lovely pheasant bird game thing. Whatever he's going to eat. Yeah, whatever that is. I mean, mm. I presume it's a pheasant. But it looks like. Do you remember Thundercats? Well, it looks like all the te- the, the villains in it. Yeah, the little eagle men. Yeah, vulture men look like one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's eating his bird, and then the bird's like, ah, starts attacking him, which is, you know, quite scary if you're a little chill child. It was very scary, and that's mm. what I miss about 80s kids' films with mm. horror elements, is that these days, they're all, they kind of dance around it, but the, back in the 80s, like, who gives a fuck? Throw that terror bird in. Yeah. See how they like that. Yeah, get a cake in someone's face. Yeah, just, 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 just whatever it takes to absolutely destroy a child. Have a cream horn <laughs> teabag a child. <laughs> Is that a really good idea, Chris? Do you think that's that's appropriate? Oh, I was, I was doing mescaline last night. I had the weirdest dreams, and I was inspired. Do you think this was like when Stephen King wrote the entire book of it on cocaine and had no memory of it? Chris Columbus wrote this on mescaline. I think he did. I think mm. that's the only... It's like he, he spent two weeks completely blackout whatever on it. Woke up, and there was like four scripts, and the last of which was Pixels. <laughs> and one of them was that Indiana Jones film that was too racist to be made. Oh, the monkey one. The monkey yeah. king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, did you read who the script doctor was on this film? No, who was it? Jeffrey Archer. See, here's the thing now mm. with you. I never know what's a piss pull gang or what's <laughs> an actual fact. It's an actual fact. Wow. Yeah, he was brought in to kind of oversee that. Oh, I think maybe to sort of make the language more oldie English at times. <laughs> Uh, well, that's 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 something that comes up later where there's a few phrases that don't work for me and I don't know mm. if it's just because it sounds out of place or whether it's because they've made that phrase up. But yeah. Hey, Watson, get me a cup of coffee. That one. Hey, Watson, where's the grits? <laughs> I gotta get my grits and my pastrami sandwich before I quack the case. He's, he's lost his how to say ours there, I noticed. <laughs> yeah, he does. Or was it a like pun a... about a duck? 
I don't know. There's no at this time of day. You're not getting money puns out of me. You're gonna have to just ride Holmes' filth. <laughs> I'm counting on it. Um, so he, he leaves. He he's, he's gripping this bird, as it were. Yeah. And everyone in the restaurant's like, "What are you doing? Yeah, what are you, what are you doing, you madman?" And then he snaps out of it, and he's like, "Oh God, how embarrassing! I better go home. Mm. They won't have me in here again." Imagine though, if he was fired and he came back the next day, and everyone would be like, "Oh, this is that bloke who was yeah. going." For five minutes. I had that in a cafe recently. I saw a man wildly gesticulating, and I all I could think of was young Sherlock Holmes. And it turns out, as I was leaving, he, he was, was hallucinating. No, he was deaf, and he was having a FaceTime with another deaf man. Oh wow! Okay, but in the corner of my eye, I thought he's. I could. I see he's been hit by a dart and is grabbing an invisible, <laughs> invisible bird. He's wrestling with invisible feet, food. <laughs> Can I have my usual table? Ah, I don't think so, sir. You're, you went a bit weird last time. See, see back then, everyone mm. kind of looked on with shock. These days, there's like a hundred teenagers with phones TikTok-ing it. <laughs> going, old man <laughs> spinning out at restaurant lols. Fucking 80 emoticons. Birdie Bobster's at it again. <laughs> Bertie Bobster's meltdown lols <laughs> so, so he goes home yeah and he's like Phew, that was a bit weird can't believe that he goes in his front room and then suddenly he gets he clipped his hat, he's like her coat stand grabs him and all the lamps yeah. start spitting fire all over his room yeah and more and bird he- imagery yeah, there's lots of... Um, well, it makes me wonder if there's stuff going on in the plot that Chris Columbus kept to himself. Like maybe mm. Bertie Bobster, or whatever his name is, has a real thing about birds yeah. and a fantasy about birds. And that fantasy is attacking him. <laughs> there should be a subliminal image of him bumming a chicken. Yeah, he's a bird perv. <laughs> and, that's the, and he's hoist by his own petard. Oh, how awful. Can how I just awful. say that mm. bit where he puts the hat on the thing and then it falls off? Mm. Should have got... Uh, one of those for Bond that would have mm. pissed him off royally when oh. he walked into his office threw his hat on yeah. gave a little smug look and then punk falls yeah. off onto the floor now admittedly he would have to wrestle with a, <laughs> a light stand after that but you buy one you buy them all don't you oh yeah yeah he's like money penny get out the room's on fire she's like it's not <laughs> it's fine yeah that, no one's ever thought about trying to kill Bond with a hallucination no no they haven't actually no so put uh, that in your pervis and wade yeah. not 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 note that down yeah put that down in your smug making of documentary <laughs> um bentley bobster though he's had enough and he leaps out of the window uh, and, and dies doom. yeah he dies yeah but meanwhile the, the the lilting velvet pipes of michael horden drift in says oh yeah I, i'm john watson and this is me riding a coach to my new school he says due to a lack of funds my parents had to send me to london's brompton academy where were you before? Yeah, where was he before? I mean, One of those lesser schools like Oxford or Cambridge, <laughs> I presume. Or Hull. Um, <laughs> Leeds, Polly. Because he says due to a lack of funds, they had to send me to the best school in London. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Due to the lack of funds, my family could only afford 12 turkeys for Christmas. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, you're not selling me. Also, what I love about the beginning of the film is it yeah. goes out of its way to say, look, yes, no, we know Watson and Holmes didn't meet until a study in Scarlet. Yes, we mm. all know. It's just a bit of fun. Mm. Fuck it out. Yeah. And then carries on with its plot. It's, it's amazing Horden says that. Yeah. Fucking Fuck hell. Fucking hell. Calm down. It's just a film. And I know I'm the voice of Paddington in the old days. You don't have to keep saying that. Uh, Michael, you're right. 
Young Paddington and the Pyramid of Death. Oh, my That's God. That's what we should have out. And there could be a bit at the end where he can't take the lift. So he has a very tall building, so he has to take the hard stairs. <laughs> okay. And that oh, becomes no. his thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he goes to his new school. And there's a, there's a very... An old man here, right, right, you know, driving the coach. Mm, he has yeah. to carry in Watson's massive chest. Not like well, that. <laughs> He's not like that Sam That was the way Fox. it went back then. It was always an old man servicing a young man <laughs> and <laughs> carrying his load. <laughs> that happened a lot in the late 1800s, it's worth noting. Yeah. And he was, he was proud for it as well. He was oh, happy for it. He was happy it was a good to have the work. young boy's load all over him. How was your day, dear? Well, I drove my carriage for old London town and eventually... Uh, I Sorry, took did you a say old to... London town? Yeah, because it was even old back then. Okay. <laughs> I took I took my... And I serviced this boy in the back of my carriage until I had to carry his load all over my chest and in his, drop him off at his dorm fast asleep like a sleeping child. I'm just going to talk to the police. <laughs> no, back then it would be like, oh, the, yes, the police will help you carry that child. And his load. Mm. Oh. But he arrives at the school and next to him is a young boy who looks 10 years older than him yeah. playing a violin very badly. Very badly. Because that's he... how you know he's not quite Holmes yet. That's right. Yeah, because he's about to smash it. Watson's like, don't! Oh, calm it. Yeah. You don't grow on trees, Sherlock. Yeah. Calm down. He should have done the old Tommy Cooper joke, shouldn't he? He should. I was up in my parents' loft and I found this priceless Rembrandt and this priceless uh, Stradivarius. Sadly, Rembrandt was rotten at making violins. Stradivarius, oh. terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's about to smash it up. Watson says, "Don't." And then what? And Holmes does. He's um, well. I'm going to figure out who you are. Don't tell me who you are. He says, "You're James Watson. You're from the north of England. Your father's a doctor. You, he sp- you spend considerable amounts of leisure time writing." You have a fondness for custard tarts. And someone's balls have been on your chin. <laughs> yeah, the balls were a giveaway. That placed you that placed you from the north instantly. <laughs> to be fair though, you know what I do I will say about this script? Yeah. Is that Chris Columbus goes out of his way to show you that Holmes is intelligent, as mm. opposed to Moffat's Sherlock, who just tells you he is and presumes that you don't have to worry about any other details because fuck it, Holmes is smart. It's like this is kind of like he's showing his workings, right? Yeah, exactly. He hasn't got a mind palace. Oh, fucking mind palace. Because mm. when Holmes goes into his mind palace in that show, it's like that death man in the cafe you saw. It's just mm. waving around, gesticulating, yep. FaceTiming. Yeah. Uh, like, it's like David David Lynch being done by U.E. Boll. Oh, God almighty. Actually, that isn't something I wouldn't mind watching. No, I quite like that as no, well. way too many double negatives in that sentence. The yeah. basic gist is, I'd pay for that. Yeah. But Watson says to him, actually, it's John, not James. And how did you know all that? And he says, well, those shoes you're wearing are only found in the north of England. There's a very sort of complicated medical book, which I'm presuming has been given to you by a loving family member, so I presumed your father. Uh, and there's a callus on your finger, which writers have. And uh, you've spilled custard all over yourself, you fat cunt. (laughs) And I knew you were a porker because (laughs) I saw the remnants of your food on your lapel. Mm. And he says, well, there's no need to be rude. Now, Watson's played by Alan Cox. Son of Brian. Son of Brian, not the keyboard player. No. I forgot there were that. Well, Mm. yes, there are too many Cox involved (laughs) in the general. (laughs) 
<laughs> in this anecdote. Do you mean in television today? There are too many cocks <laughs> on telly. Anyway. Go on. Nope. So they're going to go off to class. And then on the way to class, Holmes says to Watson, and this is great. This is, I think Chris Columbus in, in his day was a fucking great script writer. He oh, was, yeah. He had that Spielberg sprinkly magic touch of things because this is a great little through tease, isn't it? Because he says, all right, Watson, look, I'll tell you, logic is very important. Here's one. Mm. You're seated in a room with an all, you're seated in a room with an all southern view. A bear is at the window. What color is it? And as the film gradually goes on, he keeps trying to guess it. And I love all that shit. It's great. It's funny, but there is a point in the film where you think, fucking concentrate, Watson. Mm. The woman's been murdered. This has been murdered. Everyone's dying. And you're fucking worried about this puzzle. I only said it to sh- kill some time between <laughs> fucking the dorm <laughs> and the class. I didn't expect you to fucking get into it. What's your problem, Watson? You're obsessed. Fucking calm down. Yeah. Should have fucking just told her the answer at the top of the story and moved on. I mean, if it was a real school, you'd have gone, uh, when, he said, when he did his first guess. Yeah, I, I knew that anyway. Yeah, I knew that anyway. At the window, who who's at the window? Watson's like, Joey Deacon? No. <laughs> Why would Joey Deacon be at the window? He lived in the South. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, a, and a hundred years away. Yeah. Well, the legend. Um, but as they walk into <laughs> class, a lady waves at them from the battlements of the school. A lovely lady. A lovely Elizabeth who lives Mm. in the school. It doesn't make sense, but she lives in the school. It's an all-boys school. She lives there. Yeah. And she gets to wander around freely. Which sounds like it's it's the the root cause of many particularly awkward problems in the future for that school. Yeah. You imagine they'll be like, um, Elizabeth will like, come and meet me tonight at nine o'clock. In the library, they walk in and that fella's there from that to catch a predator. You <laughs> you were coming here to meet Elizabeth. Why have you brought condoms and beer? <laughs> to uh, be fair, in that school, judging by the cast, hmm. I don't think a lot of them would have been interested in Elizabeth, to be honest. <laughs> You're very, very right, <laughs> don't, yeah. I think they were all too busy taking each other's loads around dorms. <laughs> they were too busy wax flattering all over the place. <laughs> that was the phrase in that school. Oh, yeah. In Brompton, if you go, oh... Don't get in trouble. Why? Or the wax flattier. Mm. What does that mean? You have to go up to his attic and work on one of his inventions. <laughs> What's this one? I call this the gaping machine. And I'm going to need you to help me help me fine tune it. I think I've worked out some of the problems. No one's been up there since the death of Professor Goatsy. <laughs> <laughs> um so Watson hears a jingle. We only found his hands. We can never understand it. We only found his hands. <laughs> Imagine if Goatsy's bumhole was like a, a time portal. Well, like Stargate. Like Stargate, but he disappeared all the way up, but only his hands were left. I would have watched every fucking episode of Stargate <laughs> if to go to a new planet, someone would have to bend over and pull their arms cheeks apart, and an army of American soldiers had to march through. That's TV. Arsgate. <laughs> Which sounds no, like a scandal. Stop. No, it's Stargape. Gotta oh. keep it classy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Keep it classy. Yeah. You can't keep it. You can't sell it to the networks if you put the word arson. With Hurt Russell. <laughs> James Spreader. Or James, James Gaper. <laughs> it all works. It all works. They're all valid. <laughs> and the man from the crying game. I don't know his name. <laughs> oh, dear. He was by the end. Um, yeah. So they go to the library and have a chat. Dudley's chatting to um, uh, Holmes and showing him his new watch. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like your watch is shit, mate. Yeah. 
And the great thing about that is you should always have a Holmes with you when you go shopping in the market for Christmas. Yeah. Especially if you think about getting a watch. Oh, yeah, it's a a Rolex, mate. Yeah, well, apparently not by the the second hand, which shows some signs of brass tinkering and the screws on the back are not the design for the Switzerland, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, what did he say? It's a French face with an Italian body or something? Working or something, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's like, well done, Dudley, you bought a fraud. And he's like, well, fuck you, Holmes. Walks off. Thanks. And then he says... My mum gave me that before she died. Thanks for that. Cheers. Before she went up in a suspicious hole. <laughs> ended up in ancient Egypt. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so Elizabeth thinks Dudley's cute. I looked into uh. this actor. He, only, he never worked again and then got involved in a horrendous scandal, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. To do with... Um, not really. Uh, it was oh. to do with... Uh, hang on. I'll tell you. Uh... From, from 2000 to 2003, uh, the guy's name was Earl Rhodes. He, mm. he was in, uh, director of the United Kingdom Falun Gong Association. In 2002, he was arrested in Beijing and detained for questioning by the Chinese police for activities related to Falun Gong religious movement in China. And he was then deported to the United Kingdom by the Chinese government. I mean, that's what you do when you can't get recast, I suppose. Yeah. You get involved in some kind of religious weirdness. Yeah. I wonder if it was like in a... They found him in a wooden pyramid. <laughs> yeah. uh, with he's a man bent this... over with his ass cheeks open. <laughs> They're trying to enter another dimension. <laughs> I've got one hand in. <laughs> I, think, I think I can feel the grassy fields within. <laughs> uh, I can Cairo. hear children singing, mother. <laughs> You're under arrest. Oh, all right. <laughs> I'm quite right too. Yeah. So Holmes, there he's got a mentor who's called Rupert Waxflatter. He's an eccentric mm. retired professor to whom the school has given a large attic space for inventions, as they would. As they would, yeah. because how many you know fired teachers all get to live in the attic? Maybe there are a few up there. Maybe there's like a the attic space in that school was full of teachers. Yeah, inventing stuff. Well, you'd hope so. I call this the fleshlight. <laughs> it means there's no need for a lady which is great in this society as there's only one mm. and we don't go near her do we Waxfat is like no you fucking don't I've invented the multi-fleshlight <laughs> which I've put onto the spokes of an old carriage wheel now seven men can stare at each other in the eye as they thrust against the fleshlight and it <laughs> rotates and plays we'll be coming round the mountain the whole time I think it's best you stay in this attic forever. <laughs> You've been up there a bit too long, mate. <laughs> I invented this pill, which kills you instantly. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh, well, that one worked, at least. <laughs> Talking of killing you instantly, Waxfast is like, Holmes, I've, I've found a solution to my problem of not being alive. Look at this. <laughs> and he gets in a flying machine. Which is the only part of the film I kind of have a problem with. Because yeah. the thing about the hallucinations is, you, it's brilliant. You get, you kind of have your cake and you eat it. It keeps the film, to some extent, logical to a Holmes adventure. Because mm. there's nothing in it that you couldn't at a push imagine in a later Holmes story, right? Yeah. But it has the hallucination stuff, which allows you to play to the fantasy, to the yeah. Spielberg-ness of it all. So it, it's great. It means you don't get to ruin reality by having real magic in the film or real supernatural powers. But you get to show all that shit off. Mm. Yeah, and it's stupid. I mean, you can't imagine yeah. Jer- Jeremy Brett getting on a flying machine. No, but again, towards the end of that series, maybe they would have had him in some kind of ability scooter. That's true. He wasn't very well, so that makes sense. He wasn't very well. Sherlock yeah. Holmes and the mobility scooter of 
of, of fear. He'd be in a little bath chair. Oh, yeah, no, he would. What's he like pushing w- around? Some kind of wicker thing with massive wheels. Yeah, yeah. I need to say, Watson would say, the game is afoot, and Holmes would just start crying. What? I can't get up. I can't walk. <laughs> I, can't. I know I've been mean to you in over the years, Watson, but now when I'm in a vulnerable state, I don't appreciate your snide remarks. And you've been putting stuff in my cocoa. It sort of floats <laughs> to the top. Um, so he says, very hopeful signs, Wax Flatter, as he crashes into a hedge. Mm. And then uh, Holmes helps him take it all back to the, the attic, and he says to Watson... Wax flat has taught me more than a hundred schoolmasters. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a question. I don't Not think, worth. I don't think it's true. Yeah. No, he showed me how to stretch my arsehole to fit a whole <laughs> jar of olives in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's right. It was the seventy percent solution. Seventy cent prime solution, yeah. <laughs> the game's a hand. Oh, not again. Um, so Holmes loves Elizabeth, obviously. Um, and then Waxflat is talking to Holmes, and then there's a tap at the door, and it's Freddie Jones, mm. uh, who has a little word with Waxflatter. And I was thinking this is consistent because if they made this film these days, Toby Jones would definitely be in it. Oh yeah, no, he would. I, I think, to be fair, Toby Jones probably would have played Lestrade. Mm. That's what I'm thinking. I've got... Mm. You could watch that film now and recast it with a lot of old British usuals, you know? That would yeah. be a lovely thing to do. It would. I mean, they should bring this back as a TV series. It's fun. Yeah. I, this is uh, this is why, when they announced the Blu-ray, I got really excited, thinking, mm. hey, I can finally watch it all clean and nice and stuff. Mm. Where's the extras? No one wants to talk about it. Who is it? Barry Levison. Yeah, Barry Levison, it, yeah. Who did Diner, weirdly. Yeah. This, I mean, this is quite the turn from yeah. those films to this. And didn't after this, didn't he do Good Morning Vietnam? Yeah. So, yeah, very eclectic. A very eclectic thing. And also, I will say this. I don't know what he's like as a director in terms of I don't know really his status and things, Hmm. but some of the images in this film are absolutely beautiful. Yes, I agree. Like the scene later on with Holmes' mother and things in the Mm. the crypt is like genuinely beautiful to look at. Mm. Anyway. And given this is an Amblin film as well, there's like nobody talks about it. It's really odd. It is it is odd how it's become like almost a footnote to that whole era of films. Yeah. Like in in the same way as like battery not include batteries not included mm. kind of gets short shrift. Mm. But that is quite boring though. No, that is a very boring film. Yeah, I and mean, it's the fun at the end, but it's really boring. Yeah, you just it's basically eighty five percent cocoon, mm. and then like you know fifteen percent et. Yeah. Um, these little robots that. What do they do? They touch up all the old people, isn't it? That's it, basically. Yeah. They, they they watch TV. They yeah. they eat your electricity, and eventually, I think they touch an old person in its sleep. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen that. Pretty sure oh, Hugh Cronin wakes up and goes, "Ah, oh, my asshole!" <laughs> <laughs> Little flying saucers flying around in his nose. All three, right out of his bubble, just come out because <laughs> it turned out his ass was a Stargate. Oh my God! It was him all along. No wonder Jessica <laughs> Tandy married him. Oh, that explains all. He was driving Miss Daisy crazy. (laughs) I've told that story on this podcast before, but I was working in a video warehouse when I was a student and I used to have to send tapes to army bases. Oh, God. And it was all the pawns. (laughs) Yeah, all the pawns. All the pawns. And that's where I saw the title, (laughs) Driving Miss Daisy Crazy. I thought they would have done something, you know, like um, Riding Miss Daisy. I thought Mm. that would have been a bit more subtle, a bit more clever. I did see Carlita's Back Way. 
Yeah. Do you think they spend a lot of time when they make these porn films coming up with the titles? Like, I'm not quite feeling it. I, mm. I get the impression the cart is very no, the course is the cart's very much before the horse. I think when it comes to so porn the title titles. comes first. Yes, they're like Jurassic <laughs> Pork. What's about dinosaurs fucking? I suppose. Okay. Indiana Bones in the in the Pyramid of Vaginas. Quick, find me three women <laughs> to fuck and get a camera. It's like it's gold. All I need is a hat. <laughs> All I need is some fucking hat and a load of bandages. <laughs> fucking go, fetch. Hmm. Do you want the uh, accurate shirt and trousers? I'm going to be naked, mate. Nah, Don't worry it's... about it. The only thing period specific I want is that woman on the blob. Now come on over <laughs> here. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going to put that big dick? In your elementary canal, my dear. <laughs> You've gone to Sherlock Holmes now. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm bouncing yeah. around. I'm getting Talk excited. about Indiana Jones, then. I got excited. <laughs> it was good, though. It was very good. Thank um, you. <clears throat> so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wraith, there's a, we 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 meet Wraith, yes. Who's like Holmes is, uh, shall I say, uh, mentor, mm. sort of intellectual mentor. So Wax flatters his kind of like a, mm, I don't know, teacher in a way. But Wraith is his kind of mentor in terms of logic because he talk, talks to him about yes. how he should never replace discipline with emotion. He should always mm. keep concentrated because they do some fencing. <clears throat> And uh, for a moment, Holmes lost concentration because I think he saw Elizabeth and let his imagination. Yeah, let his guard down. Yeah. Literally and figuratively, I'd imagine, in that sense. Yeah, and then we get a dinner scene, which is very much like Harry Potter. See, this is where it's funny as well, watching it back, you yeah. do, because obviously Chris Columbus went on to write and, or adapt the screenplay and direct. Yeah. He did adapt the screenplay, didn't he? Or was that someone else? I think Either someone way, else, he, but he directed it, yeah. He definitely directed it. And you can see the DNA, I think, yeah. from young Sherlock Holmes in this, because, again, it's got that vibe. He seems to have kind of, 
you know, understood the cloisters, the the whole kind mm. of the secrecy almost, or the mystery of Victorian boarding schools, I guess, yeah, yeah. and planted that into the Harry Potter world quite well. Yeah. And also, you know, tonally, they're not too dissimilar. No, they're really not. Um, I don't think you can have one without the other. No. Um, <clears throat> so Holmes is at dinner and everyone's talking about what they're going to be when they grow up. The Dudley guy said he's going to be a, I don't know, like a sex sex performer or something. <laughs> so, so, yeah, he goes, I want to have sex with animals. <laughs> okay. Uh, no one asked you. Yeah. Well, yeah, Holmes, uh, another fella said he's going to be a banker or something. And then Watson just chips in, even though he's only been there a day. Mm. I'm going to be a doctor. And then quite rightly, he says, well, no one asked you. Shut the fuck yeah. up. That's me in every single social situation. <laughs> what, is Watson? To work. Yeah, I am yeah, literally yeah. Watson. It's yeah. like everyone goes, so uh, how, what are you doing for Christmas? Oh, I might be going to see my family. I don't believe we asked you. Fuck that. I just, I felt yeah. Watson hard then. Agreed. Yeah. I'm never the cool one. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. But then they say, anyway, Holmes, what about you? And then Holmes goes, just sees Elizabeth out the window. Again, just wandering about. Mm. And he just says, "I never want to be alone," which I, I I like that. I think that's consistent with, I mean, it's it's start it's the start of his arc, isn't it? Because at the end, it's interesting says, because mm. it's one of those weird films where the main character, his humanity is stripped away, mm. and so the the heroic ending is that he takes on the lessons of of the villain almost, yeah, and 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 applies that to his life going forward. Mm. Yeah, I think it's good. Mm, no, then, it is good. Then it's, we cut, it's mm. surprisingly touching at times, this film, and it's it not is. gross in a way you'd expect a bunch of Americans to tackle Sherlock Holmes to make it gross. No, and again, I think that's because the script's been put through loads of Sherlock experts, Jeffrey Archer, mm. and some other people who will go, no, they, that wouldn't happen or this would happen. So I think it's very sensitive in that respect. Yeah, yeah. But we cut from all that to the bit everybody remembers, which is... The first CG character to be scanned and painted directly onto a film using a laser. Yeah, and I saw there's a... I think it was Corridor Crew on YouTube did a mm. breakdown of it. Yeah. And you go from just admiring it as a piece of, you know, early CG on film to, mm. holy shit, they put way too much effort for those 30 seconds yes. in. Yes. And it was um, John Lasseter and the Pixar lads, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the timeline is, but it was certainly on film, like the first ever CGI character, basically. Yeah. yeah. And it stands up. It's I know, great. like... The, the film grain changes a bit when you when the CG comes mm. in, but it, it's a perfect special effect because it doesn't it it doesn't break the quote unquote reality of what's going on. No, and the CGI serves to make that come to life because you could, I don't know how she would have done that back in the day. No, no, absolutely not. It would have been stop motion probably, and it would have looked. I don't think it would have looked fine, but this just looks incredible it, for the time. Yeah, because yeah, this yeah, is nineteen eighty five, so they would have done it in eighty four. Which is, again, which is just bizarre to me because yeah. one of the nice things about this film is it's kind of timeless. Yeah. You don't put on and go, oh, that was an 80s film. You, you uh, could imagine it was made in the last 20 years easily. Yeah. And if, if no one's seen this scene, what happens is an old duddery vicar is like walking around his church. Obviously, he's been blow darted. Yes. And then the stained glass window comes to life and jumps out and, and threatens him. So he runs out of the church and is run over by a horse and cart. Yeah, that's the greatest claims direct advert ever, it is, yeah. isn't it? Mm. <laughs> I, have you been had an accident at work? 
I was a vicar in a church, and, <laughs> and one day a big glass, bloody stained glass knight attacked me. I ran out into the street and was hit by a carriage. Luckily, Claims Direct got me £3,000. <laughs> I was eating in a restaurant when a pheasant came to life. <laughs> I was just minding of my own business. <laughs> I was sat at work when a man opened his arsehole and we all got sucked into ancient Egypt. My employer got me £4,000. But then Holmes, he sees the headlines. Mm. Oh, no, sorry, before we get there, yeah, we get, Holmes is going to solve the crime. I love this bit. Ah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah, and for a film that doesn't have very many set pieces, this mm. is still a kick-ass... I mean, not kick-ass, I'm getting too excited again. Oh. But it's still like a wonderful example of showing Holmes do his thing and not just yeah. telling you he's smart. Yeah. And also, it kind of hints at the greater mystery still as well with what's going on. There's elements mm. of stuff in that mystery which help him pick apart the bigger mystery. And there's a metaphor, I've noticed. There is a metaphor. Got my film studies head on because yeah. um, the school fencing trophy's been hidden. Holmes has 60 minutes to find it. And it's one of those lovely things where he's going from place to place and the whole school's following him and watching him doing his little deductions. Mm. And it turns out the trophy was hidden in a vase that was baked in the oven yeah. and painted for everyone, but replaced one that was antique. Mm. So Holmes smashes it, and inside the, the vase is the statue of the fencing trophy. Ha ha, he says. And and then I thought, oh, it's a bit of a metaphor because the fencing master yes. is hidden, isn't he, in plain sight? Yeah, in, in, in a fake... Uh, mm. representation of something that's quite antique yeah yeah Lovely. also i love it when the kids will go home is going to solve the crime they mm. follow them around because these days it's paul's going to get a fight in the garden <laughs> you know with the school and so everyone would call the kids paul's going to get beaten up by the bully that, yeah. that's what i remember growing up sure yeah not so yeah. much playful we're going to solve a crime as paul's going to have to find some teeth in the grass later wouldn't it be great if Holmes didn't do it and then um just just cried <laughs> I, I can't do it it's too much stress it's, it's a bit too elaborate mate I don't know what you were thinking <laughs> but he does do it and he's brilliant and Dudley is annoyed so then um, shame he didn't hide it up his arse think oh, about imagine it imagine that if he was just like hobbling around going ah, Holmes you'll never find <laughs> it you'll never find it Holmes oh, oh. Well, you sit down there while I have a look around no oh. I'll stand up for 60 minutes you're wearing a very long coat today <laughs> Ah, I, I found it. I was tracing the droplets of blood from your stuff from the trophy room to your bedroom to the bathroom <laughs> to the garden and then here to here. Actually, when I think about it, it's exactly where you've been walking all day. <laughs> I merely followed you around as you walked like a gunslinger for most of the afternoon. And then when he pulls it out, there's just this over-the-top splurt of blood that goes everywhere, like a peckinpah <laughs> film. Holds it above his head. Yay! Yay. Everyone's cheering. Ah, oh, Dudley turns into Goatsy. That's his origin story. <laughs> um, so, Wax Flatter, he's definitely solved the problem this time. Mm. Flies off the roof again and crashes immediately. Thanks for that, mate. Yeah, at this point, they should have taken him away yeah. to, to, a, to a home of some sort. Because yeah. he's like, why, why? Well, you keep throwing yourself off a school <laughs> roof in, in, a, in a shopping trolley with wings on. Yeah. And you don't think you don't need help. No, 
I'm an eccentric. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. 1880s Victorian London. This yeah. place is full of them. Yeah. Yeah. They're all wandering the streets, murdering women. <laughs> <clears throat> they're not murdering women. They're inventing flying machines, these gentlemen of oh, the yeah. 1800s. Of yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me, while he's looking around in Waxfatter's place, he sees a couple of headlines about the vicar being murdered and the guy falling out of his roof window. Mm. So he goes to Inspector Lestrade. Now, right, how old yeah. do you think the actor playing Lestrade is in this film? The actor? So yes. So, I, I mean, I'm going to presume, like, late 30s, I okay. think. Yeah, okay. Go on. 28. Wow, that's he's he lived a rough life. <laughs> he looks fucked, he's absolutely fucked, and he's twenty eight, and he's still going. He was in Game of Thrones, apparently, and he looks the same as well. He looks exactly the same. Yeah, he doesn't look like he's aged at all. That was the thing. Like God must have said to him, "Listen, I've given you a bad hand here, face wise, but mm. you, but at least it won't look like you're aged for forty years." Yeah. So there's a trade off. I mean, no one's going to fancy you ever. No, but you will get, get a lot to of play. character work. You'll get a lot of character work. Mm. I was thinking about the long term goals here, mate. Mm. Dickens. I mean, they do a Dickens thing every couple of years. You could be in that as anyone. Yeah. Not. I yeah, mean, obviously you'll... not the good looking people, but. Dickens, Holmes, one or two background characters in a Jane Austen adaptation. You're going to be fine for oh, cash. Yeah. But will any women like me? No. No, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it. But the one who does loves you for your soul. That's right, yeah. For your yeah. arsehole. Because <laughs> um, you have a Stargate puppet. Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, but Lestrade basically says, ah, stop wasting my time, Holmes. You're always coming in here talking shit. I'm a policeman. This- this is the thing I wish I'd checked up on before I mm. came to this recording. But he goes, you and your playpen crimes. And there's a part of my brain that goes, playpen? That seems like a, that doesn't yeah. seem like an appropriate term for the time. Mm. He would have said fucking crimes, wouldn't he? Yeah, or cot crimes. Mm. Or, some, or pram mischiefs. Or something. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I just uh, don't remember that phrase being a thing. But, you know, it's stuck burglaries. in my head. <laughs> Oh, Crib Crimes, crib which crime. actually sounds like a good show. It does. It sounds like MTV's Crib Crimes. Yeah, with baby baby detectives oh, all in their cribs, solving amazing. very easy crimes like who ate the ice cream. Yeah. And who done poo. <laughs> 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 who done poo, the big case this week. <laughs> in another edition of Crib Crimes. Who done poo. <laughs> who done poo. <laughs> so, Lestrade tells him to get away. So then Holmes goes back to school and he's doing an exam and Dudley frames him for cheating and gets him expelled. Yeah, which is a prick move if you ask me. That's awful. I hate him. Again, weirdly, it's one of those things where you ask yourself to the script, but if Holmes is so smart and everyone likes him, why does anyone believe Dudley? Hmm. But then it goes on to kind of say, well, because he was so smart and got everything correct, that's why they're suspicious. And it's like... Great, Columbus. You've you've actually made an intelligent decision in your script to kind of bolster yeah. the stakes that you need to set up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does make me think, what the fuck happened to him as a writer, though? Yeah, I know, I know. I think he just fell into the into directing, and I I, I don't I don't know if he still does write, but the last few films he's done have been fucking dreadful. Yeah, I, I mean, think it started with Mrs. Doubtfire. Personally, that was an abomination. 
I think it's like you know when like a, your favorite rock band does a ballad and then mm. that ballad's a huge hit mm-hmm. and then after that all they seem to release are ballads. That's mm. like I think that's Chris Columbus's movie career. Yeah. Like he had like Mrs. Doubtfire and then it was like oh sod Gremlins, Young Indiana Jones and shit. I'm gonna yeah. just make films that try to make you cry but use a lot of the special effects to get you there. Bicentennial Man. Yeah. No. There's no. There was no need for Bicentennial Man as a film no. to exist other than the fact that. Oh, I get to work with Robin Williams again, but I'll have to neuter everything about Robin Williams that makes him unique for the sake of this film. You know what? I, I'd be very happy to say this going to my grave, but I've never seen Bicentennial Man, and I don't want to. Basically, mm. it's a happy shopper AI. Right. If you swap out Haley Joel Osment for Robin Williams, you'd think he'd get a better film. Very hairy baby. Very hairy baby. Yeah. Although he did end up playing the teddy bear in AI. It's just no one ever talks about it. He's <laughs> just naked on set. <laughs> you know, I was going to attempt to do a Robin Williams impression, but actually, I think I should stop doing impressions full stop professionally. <laughs> well, <laughs> because I'd like it to hear your Robin Williams impression now. No, because I think it would end up just sounding like, I don't know, Al Pacino, because I just want to go, hoo-ha. But that's, yeah. that's, that's, I don't that's, know that's what I'm doing. Williams, it's no. not at all. No. Do you reckon you have to, you, you have to sort of comb to find his winky? Oh, yeah. No, you do. Yeah. If you want to have sex with Robin Williams, you have to get a hedge trimmer and two days out to her just to find it. And forget about it if you want some backdoor action. You are digging for days. God. It'd be like trying to break through a thatched cottage roof. R.A.P. Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah, bless you. That was what uh, Billy Crystal said at the Oscars that year after he died, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I had to dig for years to get through to his arsehole. Here's some clips. <laughs> Not of me clipping his ass, just films he was in. Every time he shits, it came out like spaghetti. Oh, fucking <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I bet he had to have a bath every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he came out looking like cousin it from <laughs> Adam's family, just this long, long, massive hair to the floor. <laughs> oh, bless him. Lovely man, though. Lovely man. Lovely man. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, so Holmes is expelled. And he has one last duel with Wraith. Uh, the Which is nice. Is, it's lovely. But uh, accidentally, Wraith accidentally clips his face because he's still wearing his ring. Yeah, and you shouldn't. You should always make sure that your ring is out of play when you're <laughs> da- jabbing at someone with your sword. <laughs> <laughs> You should always keep your ring hidden when there's any sword play. Mm-hmm. Def- yeah. de- definitely keep your ring protected. Yeah. <laughs> so on on Holmes's way out of being expelled, Dudley bursts in. He's now got white hair and white a white face. Yeah, it's great. And I he- mean, I'm surprised mm. he just didn't kill him outright with a toxin. Well, this but- is it. He <laughs> says, "I put it all in your food and your tea." That's just. <laughs> he, that's- just he should have at least kept that to himself. Yes. I mean, this Please. is like he should have been played by David Tennant. <laughs> Holmes, you did this. Yeah, prove it. Um, I can't because I'm not Sherlock Holmes. Well, there you go. <laughs> I can you... prove I did it, but yeah. I'm not going to tell you how I did it. Yeah, off you fuck. I came in your tea. That's <laughs> basically <laughs> what it is. While I'm you were drinking it. Been eating nothing but strange toxic plants. <laughs> and then when I come, <laughs> like like a pineapple, it affects the flavour. And you've been drinking my toxic spoff in your Earl Grey for days now. I've been sitting at the skylight of your room, just 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 flobbing into your tea from that from up there. You've been <clears throat> wax flattered. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh dear. Um, so while Holmes says goodbye to Watson, uh, he's they see Waxflatter go into a curio shop, mm. and uh, he gets he gets with a thorn. Yeah, and we get some lovely stop motion goblins. I love them. There's love a little it. Ghostbusters vibe to that. When mm. the, you know the pterodactyls dogs come to life and the yeah. eyes glow red and then they go... Rrr, rrr. I'm pretty sure they use the exact same sound effect as well in that little scene. Yeah, yeah probably. But, but it's I was always, ca- Yeah, I always kind of... When I was younger, I didn't... I, I thought it was kind of a terrifying thing to be attacked by these creatures because I thought it was burying into him yeah. when, he, you know, when he stabs them to die. Yeah, yeah. But when you get older, you think... Oh, it's just it's it's kind of sad to see an old man flapping around in a shop and go. You know, it's kind of, it's mm. it's more tragic when you get older than it is, it is shocking when you're a kid. You mean much the same way when you see an old man fighting with an invisible bird? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, oh, demons! He's fighting demons. Yeah, of course he is. Of course he is. Stabbing himself with a co- coffee stirrer. Yeah, stirrer. Stirrer. God, he does. Can't get my words out today. I do apologise. That's all right. But um, you're in your boxes though, so that's fun. Thanks for telling me that. Um, that he does stab himself and he dies. And as he's dying, he whispers the words "Eta" to Holmes. Eta, Holmes. Which I hey, like. Hmm. I like that bit where he stabs himself because hmm. he goes through the mental process of picking the best knife to use. There's a load, load it's of a them on the table. Massive one as well. <laughs> yeah, and he goes. Hmm. If, if I was generally concerned, I would pick the biggest one. Yeah. But no, he goes. Oh, I tell you what, that's a bit too big for me. I'll get the little paper, the little envelope opener. Mm. I'll use that instead. Mm. Yeah. The... Who, who makes a decision like that in a moment of life or death? Well, it's fight or flee, isn't it? Yeah, but even so, you just pick up anything. I'm surprised he didn't stab himself with a garden gnome just to do it. <laughs> what if he picked up the shop owner and stabbed himself with him? <laughs> Well, this great big ceremonial sex dildo. He goes running around Victorian London with his pants around his ankles, just stabbing himself up the arse with a dildo. Yeah, screaming, I've got demons in me, I've got demons! <laughs> yeah. And everyone's just doffing their cap. Morning, sir. One of he those Victorian dead. eccentrics again. Yeah, he's not dead, but he is covered in bruises. <laughs> he actually fucked himself to death. Oh, it's how he wanted to go. Yeah, they, they they pull back the sheet and it's sort of sticking out of his mouth <laughs> from inside. Oh, yeah, that's definitely him. It's how he wanted to go. How did he die? This, I believe, it was. Yes, that's definitely him. Uh, so Holmes and Watson, while the the figure that darted him runs off, it drops the pipe, the blowpipe. Mm. So they take it to the curio shop by um, what's his name, Duncan from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yes, very I get the guy's nice, name. Very nice. There's always that scene in a Sherlock Holmes story where they go to a slightly racist ca- tavern mm. Mm. to speak to, to other people. Yeah, and then either tell them good and proper what to do with their lives, yeah. or they get chased out. Well, in this case, it's they go to see Nadim Sawala. Mm. Who in in his day was kind of the man who would always play Middle Eastern men. Yeah, he's in so many films playing Middle Eastern men. Was he in a Bond film doing that? He was. He was in Spy Love Me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and uh, he, and then he sort of retired from it. Then Alexi Sale played them for a bit. Yeah, it was. I remember how weird it was to see yeah. Alexi Sale in uh, the Last Crusade. Yeah, you were like, have... like John got a new motor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so yeah, he they, they go to this Egyptian tavern, they show them the pipe, 
And uh, he says, Rummy Tip! And someone shouts, Oh, yeah! <laughs> no, he In says, the drummer get wicked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ram me, Tep. Let me hear you say, way oh, way oh. Where did he ram that? What? In his tap. He's got a tap out of his ass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but everyone tells him to get out and they pull out curvy swords and guns. Mm. And. Um, I love it because, to mm. be fair, these days they would have turned that into an action scene. Back yeah. then, they just fuck off quite rightly because yeah. they're kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Holmes, Watson, and Elizabeth start to investigate the murders, and they uncover the existence of Ramitep. And I like this bit because the script goes, "Well, Chris Columbus obviously thinks, shall I go through the scene of Holmes explaining it to them? No, mm. we'll get Michael Horden back in." He goes, "Holmes went on to explain that Ramitep was an ancient Egyptian cult of Osiris worshippers." They use a blowpipe to shoot a thaw into the victim that causes nightmare-like hallucinations. Here's the thing, though. Mm. Part of me is like, oh, that's kind of bad script writing. But the other part of me was like, well, no, that is how Holmes is largely written. Mm. It's like, it is from Watson's point of view. He does, he's very descriptive and a bit blunt at times, explaining everything. So it does serve a good purpose to move the story along because I was surprised watching this back how quickly it moves along there's no lulls there's no, no dead scenes everything kind of has a really kind of gallopy pace to it yeah. so I'm fine with it mm. what I'm not largely fine is is the fact that it sounds like every now and then he's doing his own story in his head I just, mm. just, and I remember recording Paddington no no we're doing <laughs> no. homes right now oh oh yes I was badgering wind in the willows around this time <laughs> No. I, people don't want to see my face. They only want to hear my warm, chocolatey old voice. Uh, I'm doing an advert for Revels tomorrow. <laughs> all right, Mike. I'm going to feed all, right. all of them up my bum hole. <laughs> what? I push a little peanut up and it comes out a treat. That old gag. <laughs> hell. I haven't heard that for a long time. I mean, when you think, when did treats stop being a thing? About 1985? Something like that, yeah. Around maybe. the time of this film, actually. So you, yeah. yeah. So what, you're... <laughs> you're accusing uh, him of fundamentally him. bringing down the, yeah because I can't remember his name right now Michael Horden Horden thank mm. you mm. yeah you're blaming him for the downfall of treats because he, they found that it was a factory full of old men <laughs> having peanuts put up their bottom let's <laughs> <laughs> squeeze them out oh god thought, men's and men's bags. that's what M&M stands for <laughs> it's a factory full of men's and men's <laughs> oh no that's why he people go so to tired. M&M's world and just and they're all strapped down like it's a battery farm. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> just a trough. They're eating constantly out of a trough of Werther's Originals. <laughs> well, someone with a little rubber glove puts a peanut up their bum. Yeah, it's their job. I don't know whose job's got it worse. Oh. They're more the guy who works the factory line, imagine testing that. the batch. You go to M&M's world and you're like, don't open that door. Don't go behind that door. <laughs> it's just a For fucking God's factory sake, Don't take kids to Cadbury's world. <laughs> Especially don't go down, don't go down the alley. <laughs> you don't want to know how they make Cadbury's fingers, mate. No. <laughs> um, but Elizabeth then goes, oh, oh, by the way, I, I saw one of the jingly men uh, the other night at school and the dog, my dog, ripped a bit of their cloak off. Uncus, stupid bloody name for a dog. Yeah, what is Uncus? 
I know. I don't know. I didn't. I couldn't find anything out about it other than it's a name that they came up with because they probably thought that's what you would call a dog in 1880. Yeah. Uh, uh, so they find a bit of the cloak, and then again, Horden comes in and goes, "Ah, Holmes examined the cloak and found that it was stained with paraffin, particular paraffin from the warehouse called Froggit and Froggit in Wapping." And then he goes, "A very dangerous part of London." Still is. Is it? <laughs> yeah, because it's full of journalists. Oh yeah, good point. <laughs> but, but again, it's 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 that kind of narrative experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can show you doing the test, but let's just do it night and get you there. Let's get mm. you there right now. Yeah. So they go to the frog and frog and whopping, and they, uh, they there's a, a paraffin warehouse, and underneath there's a secret wooden pyramid. Now this bit, uh, the music's incredible, by the way. Now, yeah, uh, what's the guy's name? Broughton. Broughton. Bruce Broughton, yeah. Bruce Broughton, who did also Monster Squad, which Monster is one of my favourite scores. Mm. He's this a great, great fucking... He's a great uh, uh, film scorer. He's, like, done yeah. so much great work. But on Spotify, there's barely anything of his stuff on there. Barely anything. I'd love to get uh, this soundtrack. It's great. You can get the orchestral suite of Young Sherlock Holmes. I believe that's on YouTube to listen to. Someone's uploaded it. It's mm. pretty nice to listen to. Because again, it has got all the tropes of like Victorian Sherlock Holmes adventure, hmm. and I think it's one of the best scores for a Sherlock Holmes film. Personally yeah. speaking, no, I agree. It's quite memorable. Yeah, but then the, a year after Temple of Doom, and we have to, we're basically watching the same scene with two people watching from within a skull. Yeah. In this case, like a wooden bull's head, watching someone being sacrificed. Yeah, I do. Because I presume Columbus didn't write. Or have anything to do with Temple of Doom? No, no, he didn't. No, it was Gloria Katz and William Haddad, I think. Okay, because I know those ideas in Amblin bounce around, like you know, oh, mm. Back to the Future is meant to be a, um, an explosion Fridge. and nuclear, and, yeah. and then they go, well, let's stick that in Indiana Jones four because why not? It feels like ideas get bounced around like that, maybe. Mm. So, it, or maybe it's just laziness where it's like, oh, it's a cult. Um, yeah, it's basically the same scene, isn't it? Because. It's... Can I just say I think I prefer the the, the young Indiana Jones one because I think the music's better. Oh really? Yeah, it's weird. I kind of feel like the music and the, how it builds to the. I mean, it's not. Oh, as... young Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I think young yeah. Sherlock Holmes uh, temple scene is better than the Temple of Doom temple scene. Mm. I think it's down to the music, how yeah. it's edited, uh, the build up to it. it. It's it's kind of thrilling with the um lum de dum um lum dum dum yeah, <laughs> a wallace, a wallace, and grommet. <laughs> yeah. Wrong trousers, the wrong trousers, grommet. Yeah. yeah, it's great. And you've got the big Egyptian headpiece of the main guy. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a really know, nice set as well, but I do wonder how shit their landlord must have been. Mm. It was like, we want to buy this warehouse. What are you going to do with it? Uh, might just build a little pyramid. What? Uh, what okay, and what's going to happen inside? No, nothing. It's just where my mates are hanging out. You know, I get the impression like they must have had to tell them a load of lies. Yeah. So the landlord, you know, didn't ask too many questions. What are you going to do in there? I'm a Victorian eccentric. Fair enough. Whatever you want. It's just that. It's just like the neighbour said they could hear women screaming last night. And I thought it's my job at least as a landlord to pop by and ask what you've been up to. There was no screaming. No, they were. No. We were all we were all reading a scary story. And there's been lots of bald people going in and out as well recently. Is there a reason for that, mate? Is there a reason why there's a lot of bald people in clothes it's, going in and out. Yeah, basically, we're doing a Little Britain uh, convention. <laughs> <laughs> we're all pretending to be Lou and Andy. Oh, no, Andy, yeah. no, no, Andy's turned up or Lou, whichever one's got hair. So that's why every night you can hear the chanting. You see, <laughs> I want that one. Yeah, I want that one. 
Don't I like want it. that one. I don't like it. I want that one. Yeah. Uh, Computer says no. I don't believe that's <laughs> happening. Why? Because uh, no, there's been no reports of anyone blacking up. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right, then I'll leave you to it then. All right, now that I know it's just a little, little bit of Vince conference, yeah. I'll leave you to it. Yeah, we're having a lovely time. Now, again, young, I don't believe that. Young Indiana Jones. Stop. Young, no, young Sherlock Holmes. You keep saying young Indiana Jones. It's because young Indiana Jones is far more prevalent in my brain space because of it. But young Sherlock Holmes mm. and the little Britain of doom <laughs> would have been a far more terrifying concept for me. Yeah, it would be terrifying. Yeah. Um, you, you like Sherlock Holmes. Why don't you go in there? A great big old lady's face that vomits onto a gay person. Mm. You know, it's that kind of thing. Mm. And uh, <coughs> lots more browning and blacking up. Yeah, no, isn't all, the, all the inappropriate. Isn't it weird that come fly with me was a thing? Uh, yes. I mean, it's actually, I've actually <laughs> I've got, got nothing to telly, add to that. But it was so odd because when you look back at it, you're like, literally everyone's browned up or blacked up in that. Uh, the weird thing about it is, though, is like the need for it to exist mm. because it's effectively just one of those reality TV shows, mm. but with a little Britain coat of paint all over it. Yeah. And if you want to watch a good show, a funny show about people working in airlines, just watch the High Life. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. dearie me. Oh, dearie me. Yeah. What, in fact, let's everyone go back in time and watch all the great 90s sitcoms like uh, The Good Life. No, not The Good Life. The High the Life. High Life yeah. And Game On. Um, Game on yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Because there was no, there was no coupling. Was that 90s? Yeah. That was all yeah, right. It was all right. And, and uh, Chalk. Chalk. Oh, I bloody love Chalk. And if you want to go back further... Slinger's Day, you can't go wrong. <laughs> oh, Slinger's Day had the worst theme tune of any sitcom in the world. It's also one of the worst sitcoms ever ever made ever. Was it, Slinger, was it Slinger's first or Tripper's first? Oh, I don't know, because one of them was um, Brucey, and, and then the one was Rossiter. Rossiter died, Brucey took over. Yeah, which I, is, you know... I'm in a sitcom, sitcom I'm in. I'm in a sitcom and acting. I've got a contract with the ITV. I can't get out of it. I can't get out of my contract with the ITV. I've got to do a certain number of hours a week. Hours <laughs> a week, certain number I've got to do. I've got to do. I've got to do a little... Because this is the thing. Hmm. It's like, he was just... He was waiting for you bet, wasn't he? He was oh. just begging for a you bet because he couldn't do the sitcom thing, Brucey. Want to put a bet on it? You bet. Then you better get on it. You, you bet. bet. Don't so, sweat. Get sweat. set. Are you ready? You get, bet. Get fresh. Get fresh. Gas top. <laughs> Gilbert the alien, alien Gilbert. And now it's just become a retro nostalgia podcast where we talk about our favourite things from the 80s. But I would say that Bruce Forsyth was the British Yoda. God bless him. Was he? Well, yeah. Yeah, because he said things in the, the way... wrong way round. Yeah, true. And the fact that he... He liked to encourage younger people to win prizes. I don't know. <laughs> so did <laughs> Rolf Harris, but out. he was not celebrated for it. Come on, but would you rather... <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? Hmm. On reflection, I would like to see Yoda present the Generation game. Love it. You know. <laughs> uh, did they do well? Did they do well? Where Higher, lower it is. Mm. Now is, I've moved on to... There is no uh, play your cards, right? only try. Oh, no, that's the wrong one. <laughs> anyway... Um, so they see all this ceremony going on. They they they're like, "Stop! She's alive!" And then they run off, and they all get they darted. Like oh, and this which is, is the which bit. is the the films the, the, the films kind of major set piece. I think is this in many respects. Did you like the fact that they run into a cemetery and the sign says "London Cemetery"? Yes, because I was wondering which one specifically <laughs> they ran into at the time. Yeah, well, it's obviously in Wapping, but I think it would be called Wapping Cemetery, wouldn't it? 
I don't even know if there was anything near there like that, to be honest. I mean, not that it matters, I mm. guess, in the long scheme of things, but like London has the big seven, the big seven cemeteries, you know, mm. with, like which you'd presume they would have maybe lent into and gone to one of those. But yeah. the way I look at it is that if an American makes anything about London, the fact that they got it that close deserves plaudits. It deserves a great big hug and went, you know, fair play. Yeah. You did all right there. But this is the bit everyone remembers because they all have individual hallucinations. So Elizabeth gets the living skeletons and the great image of the one making her tombstone. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, fucking fantastic. There's some weird, like, throughout this film, Ghostbusters vibes because mm. there are certain moments that track. And, like, that bit with the, the, the grave and the... the person engraving it the zombie engraving it it's very much like when you see the zombie in the taxi in Ghostbusters there's something a bit jarring and unsettling about it even though you see it for only a few seconds yeah absolutely and like you said earlier with the terror dog's eyes lighting up type thing mm. I guess it was just because of what worked the year before um, go with what you know right yeah and then Watson's hallucination I remember laughing at a lot when I was a kid um, but Imagine if all the cake started like touching his knob or something. That'd be awful. <laughs> you just don't know. No. This is this is the question I was going to say. Mm. If you got hit by a dart, mm. what do you think would be your uh, hallucination? Well, what would be the what, what would what would your psyche pull out? Well, I don't know because I don't understand the logic of it. Because Elizabeth's obviously terrified of the dead people, as you would be. Mm. Holmes has his parents judging him. So that's his fear. And are yeah. we saying that Watson's terrified of cakes? Because because yeah. he, he ain't. <laughs> Because he's not, no. and he goes he goes on to not learn a lesson from this experience and not. pile on those calories. Yeah, because really, I mean, what, I mean, if it were me, it would be like I'd probably have Elizabeth's one because I've got a bit of a fear of the old death. Oh, yeah. I think mine would be porno mag related. <laughs> so you're scared of I'd, porn? No, I think what it would be is I'd be in a, in a, in a shop and then you'd hear a page rustle mm. and then like you'd see a lady on a front page looking at me and then it would wink. <laughs> when I wasn't looking, it would wink and then move back. Right. And then I'd pull it down off the shelf and then a hand would come out and start throttling me. And then all the magazines would come off the shelves and like all the naked ladies, you know what, I need to five minutes for something. Just just carry on recording. <laughs> just carry on recording. So, so, I've got to do something else. So you're saying that you're scared of pornography? I'm just saying, knowing my look, it will prey on the things I'm most insecure about, which is my sexuality mm. and fear of love. Right, sure. <clears throat> Do you want to move swiftly on? Yeah, should we move on? <laughs> um, so Holmes sees his parents, they're both judgy of him. Um, and then he has a fight with one of them, in, uh, one of the uh, bald men with the swords, one of the little Britain knights. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's saved by the man who looks after the graveyard, who's got a shotgun. I know that's kind of a. I, I kind of don't like that yeah, payoff. Yeah. Because part of it just makes me think, what if, what if he hadn't had a gun mm. and just set his dogs on both of them? <laughs> then yeah. it would have just gotten out of hand. Yeah. Yeah, that'd been awful. Like if one of them it started been humping awful. Holmes's head. And also, it just it means like to some extent your 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 hero doesn't have any agency if yeah. someone can bail them out like that. I mean, I don't know if there's a narrative reason for that, but to have random old man go get off my lawn mm. and shake his fists yeah. at the vel- you know the evil court members, it kind of just doesn't feel right. Well, especially as we've established that Holmes is quite good at fencing. He had like a fence pole there. He could have done a bit of a sword fight with it. Yeah, true. But to be fair to him, he's still hallucinating at the time, That's I guess. True. So he's, he's not even quite sure if what he's battling is a real thing. So Lestrade, who is 28 years old, tells Holmes off for being arrogant. And Holmes says that he's lazy. 
<laughs> and then he calls him a stinky face. Yeah. And then he says, you smell a poo-poo. Yeah. And he's like, well, your mum's fat. Yeah. And then on so on and so on. And then until says, one of them started crying. You're only slightly older than me. And you look 20 years older than me. <laughs> so shut the fuck up, you fucking pig man from Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> the one that's fascinated with C-3PO's head. Bit too much. Yeah, bit too much. Yeah. I, I say. Um, so he says, well, if you're even half the policeman, you should be. Have a look at these uh, poison darts we found. And leaves them with Lestrade. And Lestrade picks one up and goes, ow! Gets pricked by it. I wanted to know what his his hallucination was. Because I think it's like hands reaching out to his arsehole and pulling them agape. <laughs> Just... I think it's him looking beautiful in the mirror. And then, oh. and then turning into his own reflection. That's kind of haunting in many it's respects. Very haunting, yeah. <laughs> and then his penis being a sort of uncontrollable, horrible hosepipe. Yes. Where God, he's like, oh, and it's like moving him around the room. It starts attacking him like Henrietta's head from <laughs> Evil Dead 2. Yes. Is it like that? <laughs> Can I just say as well, this is this is a horror film for kids. Yeah. Because it is a kind of a horror film. Mm. And it's got that trope, which I've seen more and more now. So, like, the latest example, and I'm not going to go on about it too much, but mm. in Ghostbusters Afterlife, when <sighs> all the little mini, mini stave puffs come to life, hey, which was the worst thing I ever saw mm. in a film ever, mm. um, it kind of trails back to, like, this film in Gremlins. Mm. It's, it kind of, it's leaning on that little mini mischief of evil. Yeah. But in this film in the Pyramid of Fear, it's generally quite upsetting, I think, that scene, because conceptually, the idea of these things literally wanting to be eaten, even though they're cute, and sacrificing themselves and, like, dying in his mouth, is kind of a haunting thought. Well, it is, because the French horn basically does sort of walk up to him and go, yeah, and then dip its yeah. ass in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, it, that is weird, when it's, like, rubbing its creamy goodness all over his mouth, <laughs> getting that glacé cherry right in there. <laughs> And then they bring the other little fat one. He's like, starts sort of humping his mouth. Yeah. Which says You've more been about. Wax flattered. Him. Yeah, he's been wax flattered. <laughs> Awful. Um, it was the tango of its day. Oh, oh. Imagine that. Imagine someone waiting for a bus and then just a giant cream horn comes over and just fucking sits on his face. You've been wax flattered. And runs off. Wax flatter cream horns. Um, so back in Waxfatter's loft, Holmes is Holmes even is looking for mm. clues. We need clues, Watson. And Watson's like, "Well," and then he uncovers a piece of paper. There's a French horn with a fork, and he's like, "No, Mister French Horn, I'm not going to give in to you today." Which is a nice callback. It's, it's, I mean, to the scene we just had. I mean, it wasn't like it was like a few seasons on or an episode or two later. It's like, yeah, no, I know you might not want them again, but you will give in it eventually. It turns out Watson. he can only be, get sexually aroused when he sees a cream horn from now on. Which explains a lot. It does. Which explains a lot. Mm. Because it's like, he's in bed mm. and he goes, it's not working for me, darling. Can you just pop down to the fridge and get me Greg's, that Greg's box I've got on the top shelf? <laughs> It's it's in a clear, but it should do the job. <laughs> now tie it to my waist. <laughs> I need I need you to put like these all these eclairs down my leg like it's a splint. <laughs> and I want you to when you thrust, really make sure the cream comes out. <laughs> we should mention earlier, by the way, when they went to the curio <coughs> shop, uh, Watson had to buy something, so he bought a pipe. Oh yeah. So we've got a bit of cannon there. Now it'd be much better if he'd have bought some heroin. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't quite suit you, Holmes. Oh, one day, though. Yeah. One day, you'll love it. Yeah, you'll have to help me by injecting in the only spot I've got left, which is the my perineum. <laughs> one day. I, I need you to re- release the gooch. <laughs> Just... Would you, Watson, please, in my darkest hour, stimulate me in a way that a crime cannot? <laughs> I mean, he says one day, but it's going to be in two weeks. It's going to be in a couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> I've injected every spot of my body. Oh, but doesn't he get the uh, the, the 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 deer stalker from Wax Flatter? He That's does. another part he of the canon. Which, I mean, if you want to be nerdy about it, he never wore one in the books it was only something one of the illustrators did for the newspaper drawings mm. that went along with it so he never strictly speaking ever wore the deer stalker isn't in the, his narrative isn't the pipe also from someone who did the show in the in, in the theater in the early 20th century and it just got oh adopted. maybe it wouldn't surprise me mm. I'd, I'd like to think that's true that most of the visual signifiers we have for Holmes don't actually come from the books yeah, and him having uh, hyena legs that came from yeah. West End play. <laughs> and he wasn't a mouse as well, because yeah. so, that came from the Disney film. I was going to mention that earlier. I was going to say that was another huge flop, wasn't it? Basil the Great Mouse Detective. No, it, I mean, it wasn't a, a, like a blockbuster, but it was the first of Disney's films after the Black Cauldron to start turning around and doing a profit. And okay. it meant they could go on. They could have, they could justify doing The Little Mermaid. I was going to ask uh, you about bit, that. Go on. The Black Cauldron. I like it. Yeah, Black yeah. Cauldron. <laughs> Same composer as Ghostbusters. Yeah. And he uses the same, what they called the theremin. Oh, yeah. No, at that time he was using it all, all over the place, yeah. wasn't he? Because didn't he use it in... Oh, no, I'm going to get this wrong now. I'm going to say, did he do the Poltergeist score? Am I, am no, I that was Jerry that Goldsmith. Right, that's where I'm going wrong. So oh. ignore that. Edit it. Strike it from the record. I didn't say that. I know more than you. Sorry about that. But yeah, no, I, hmm. I don't... I've never seen The Black Cauldron, which is a shame because I'd really like to. You've never seen The Black Cauldron? No. Oh, okay. It's 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 all right. I mean, it's a bit Lord of the Ringsy for it's, my liking. It's I'm very Ralph Bashley, yeah. 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 No. But I will say, Basil the Great Mouth Detective is probably one of my favourite things ever. So that gets a pass. That's Vincent Price is the baddie, isn't it? Yeah, playing Rattigan. It's excellent. That fucking yeah. film. No, I remember it. it genuinely is. Yeah. Uh, that and Fox and the Hound were the eighties Disney stuff, weren't they? And yeah, it was that whole period from I think like the Rescuers up mm. until. Uh, Basil, when mm. they had a real struggle, when when your eighty million dollar Black Cauldron movie or whatever ridiculous amount it was gets beaten by the Care Bears movie mm. made for tuppence, yeah, <laughs> you know Very you're doing much something made wrong. For tuppence. Yeah, yeah. And then the live action stuff they did around then as well with Black Hole, that didn't do yeah. very well. No, and because Trump. they. they... Well, that, it's kind of it's because I, I thought that I think they misunderstood what yeah. people wanted to see. They just thought they wanted to see something visually spectacular, mm. but forgot they need characters. Plot, mm. adventure, and a director who gives a shit. Yeah, I mean, personally speaking, when I was very little, I was really excited about Black Hole. And uh, when I saw it, I was bored to shit. Yeah, it's only when it's... I got older I appreciated it. Basically, the only reason you ever want to watch that film now is for the bit where uh, Anthony Perkins gets buzzsawed to the chest. Mm. And the John Barry so pro- music as well. True. And that bit where the meteor rolls through the whole... Uh, part of the spaceship and it looks very impressive it does um, yeah anyway Black Hole 4 out of 10 yeah 4 out of 10 is fair I'd say Tron 4 out of 10 Tron 6 out of 10 Tron 6 out of 10 mm. Tron Legacy 6 out of 10 6 out of 10 and that's the amazing thing about Tron Legacy is they went we want to make a film like Tron 
and they did because it looks great, but it's pretty uninteresting. But it's boring. Yeah. It goes on a bit too long, yeah. Yeah, so they tick. <laughs> we did that. Nailed it. <laughs> well done, guys. We made no money. <laughs> but the guy who did that went on to make Top Gun Maverick, so who's laughing now? Exactly. Who's laughing now? Yeah. Well, we just did. Us. Yeah. We just did yeah. then. I noticed it. it <clears throat> so, so, back in Wax Fatter's loft, Watson finds a drawing of six men. And, and Holmes is like, oh, bloody hell. Hello. Nice. Put it away <laughs> for later. Oh, actually, can I have a look at that again? <laughs> yeah, focus, Watson. And it turns out they're all dead apart from one, which is a man called Chester Cragwitch, going back to what which you said a, earlier. Great. It is a great Holmes name, mm. though. Mm. So Wraith finds everyone in the loft, and then he tells Holmes and Watson they're expelled, and that Elizabeth... He's, she's like he's, he says to her have you had those two staying with you and she goes yeah and he's like that's fairly unladylike mm. spit roast was it madam <laughs> <laughs> no we're children oh yeah sorry mm. sorry I've I crossed a few boundaries there I heard the game is foot long <laughs> <laughs> red headed league I'm just thinking of Sherlock yeah, no. <laughs> Silver Blaze, was it? St- <laughs> that was a study in Scarlet. No. The pink bubble. <laughs> anyway. They all are when I'm... I finish with them. <laughs> They're all torn up in the end. <laughs> <laughs> sign of four. No, well, I was going to just mm. do that. I was going to a sign of four. Yeah, nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> which would have been the carry-on version yeah, of this, yeah, I think. It would have been great, yeah. Oh, how come they never did that? I don't know. How come they never did a carry-on Holmes type thing? That would have been brilliant. Well, Russ Abbott had it tied up, didn't he, with Barrett Holmes? Yeah, you're right. You know what? Now you mentioned that. You're right. I'm glad I, I'm glad he stepped up. <laughs> he saw the void. Like, fuck it. I can't sleep. I have to pastiche Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I, I, I can't go on. My muse is screaming too loud. It needs, it needs me. And then his wife's like, thank God. And then the next night he sits up. Basildon Bond, I have to do it. Yeah. Then the next night, the Crankies, and so on and so forth. Fat Man and Blobbin. <laughs> Cooper Man. Dodgy wartime salesman. Yeah. Um, All of them. Uh, teddy Boys in the 1990s. All of them. He loves them. He, he just keeps writing his, his pads. He's got writing pads next to his pen, just, just full of random things. They're just things. fucking charred because he's been writing so much they've got on fire. <laughs> and there's margins in like like drawings of devils and pentagrams and all sorts and like <laughs> the witchcraft the words, of Abbott's and, writing and the word and words like slut and bitch <laughs> and revenge. It's like the book from um, Seven that they find in the that man's house. It's just full of bad jokes and a picture of Bobby Davro with arrows oh, stabbed into his eyes. Yeah, fucking Davro. <laughs> but at least he got to meet Captain Tom. At least, no, Captain Tom got to meet him. That's true. That's, that's, that's I, what you got to remember. Captain Tom sits down and says, Ah, I've been a big fan of yours, Russ, for a long time. He goes, Oh, that's, that's great, thanks. And he goes, Just wanted to ask, did you call her Miss Fanny Fanny? Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> did you give up that day in the writer's room? <laughs> yeah, we did, yeah. I, I was up all night thinking of the name Basil and Bond. We nearly called her Fishy Fanny. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> was Les Dennis the best straight man in show business? Yeah, I think he was, yeah. He would have had to have been. Yeah. 
Because it wasn't Dustin G. It wasn't. Oh, R.I.P.G. <laughs> R.I.P.G. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that a film with Ryan Reynolds in? Yeah, that was R.I.P.D. <laughs> you mean that film now, that no one's a... seen? Yeah. Yeah. That one with uh, Russ Abbott and Jeff Bridges in. <laughs> Russ Abbott and Jeff Bridges, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The double, the double act you didn't know you wanted <gasps> until I just said it then. Well, it makes sense because alphabetically the A and B... Mm-hmm. Russ and Jeff, it works. <laughs> anyway, um, so that night, Holmes and Watson go to see Cragwich, and um, oh yeah, yeah, and they and they ex- uh, exp- and he explains in his youth, he and the other five men were in Egypt. They looted an underground pyramid, so they did some tomb looting, mm. and then burnt down the village. That is a bit clumsy. It is a bit. You know what? I've realised as well that this plot isn't too dissimilar to things like Sign of Four, where yeah. there's like a, a transgression of the past yes. with involving colonialism, and the kind of spectre of that is now haunting them in their quote-unquote present day. So Columbus gets that right. Again, mm. it's conceptually solid in terms of mm. you want to plot with Holmes in. This yeah. is kind of expected. Yeah, Sign of Four. That the the the, the Jeremy Brett one was very good. But it was John Thor, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. It's, that's the thing. When people go, man. "What? What's your favourite?" Holmes, it's like for me, it's the obvious answer. It's always Jeremy oh, Brett. Of course, yeah. It's just like Jeremy Brett, best Holmes, um, Suchet, best Poirot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, um... uh, Russ Abbott, best Basil and Bond. <laughs> There's no other, no. there was no, no other. other. Um, and we find out that a local boy called Atar and his sister mm. vowed to seek revenge and replace the bodies of the five princesses with sacrifices. Which seems like a lot of effort. It does, doesn't it? You'd think if you were really angry, you would just kill the five just men and then the get on with men, your day. Brush it off, get on with things. Yeah. Especially if you've, uh, you've established yourself in society now. So. Yeah, so if anything, you're just going to bring more attention to yourself mm. as the head of a cult leader, yeah. you know, as the head of a cult kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, David Icke doesn't do this, does he? No, but I bet he'd like to. Oh, I bet he'd love a fucking pyramid in a warehouse. He has a little pyramid tea bag and he's like one day yeah no what he's got he's got he's got a storage space in one of those you know yellow, like yellow storage yeah. yeah yellow storage he's got one of those when you go in all there is is a table with a skull on the top and a sign saying fuck me and that's all he's got <laughs> and something he's nicked from like roadworks he's got a flashing yeah. light or something or a sign yeah he's got one of those kind of belijah beacons he's stolen from the side of the road yeah. it just blinks yeah He's just turned that on, shut the door, <coughs> and sits in there going, and then. And the sad thing is, the skull is of uh, Keith Chegwin. Oh, it's the skull of Chegwin. Oh, it should be in a bowl of soup. It should be in a museum. <laughs> this belongs in a museum. The Chegwin exhibit. The Chegwin exhibit. It's, yeah. it's just him doing plays pops, swap shop, and all the tweets he stole. And every time he fucks the school, you hear, <laughs> like that. That's horrible. That's what Maggie Philbin heard all the time. Every night. Every night. After they both polished off their seventh bottle of vodka, just to get through the day. Just to get through the re- the recording sessions in brown sauce. If I... If I... <laughs> I just want to be your winner. <laughs> just end this please I just want to be a winner no Ledman has me on my knees <laughs> there was a story that Chegwin was so drunk once he fell asleep in a bowl of soup face down yeah. or was the was it a massive bowl of soup that, that he was floating a big in big swimming pool full of mulligatawny oh, he lived a life <laughs> he certainly did
Yeah. I've always said I felt sorry for him because people liked him so much. Whenever they had him on his shows, they made sure he was as far away from the studio as possible. Yeah. It's like Swap Shop, yeah. Saturday Superstore, Big Breakfast. Yeah. They all had him on, but he was never allowed anywhere near the fucking main studio. Yeah, it's it's like, get out on the there. street. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> Although I bet, he's, he, bet he raided quite a few roadside motorway diners in his time. Oh, I bet he could. I bet he had a little hip flask. Yeah, full of hip flask. It was like the size of a bottle of vodka. In fact, it was a bottle of vodka. It was just a bottle of vodka with it, where he'd scroll juice on the side, <laughs> and he spelt it wrong. Oh, I see. He's with... got his juice again. <laughs> yeah, it's that weird potato-based <laughs> foul-smelling see-through juice. Oh, is that a new Sunny Delight thing? Yeah. Eee! And three, two, one. Oh, he's been sick. <laughs> and. Action Keith, you're live. Who wants to fucking swap this? <laughs> get his cock out. And then it cuts back to Noel. And it all gets a bit ugly. <laughs> no. Yeah, because we're oh, on Swap, swap Shop, shop. Now. I was thinking of the big I'm bouncing breakfast. around through time. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm are. bouncing around. But he did do the Naked Jungle, so that he fulfilled his dream. He did, didn't he? Yeah. He did. He fulfilled his dream of proving to the world he had a small penis in front of hundreds of people. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we've he just got off the point slightly. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Where are we now in the spot? Well, yeah. Cragwitch is hit by a thorn. Which by now you'd be suspicious of. Yeah. If everyone else has been, you know, they know what sets off the hallucinations. If, if Holmes was in the room, which he was, and saw him go, ah, mm. something bit my neck. Mm. You'd think, right, get some rope, tie him down. But no, they let him rattle on with his fucking story. Well, they managed to calm him down because he does start hallucinating that he's on fire. Oh, yeah. And then he starts attacking Holmes. And Watson can't get him off. Not like that, God. Not like that. Um, and then, Although I did think that. Yeah, of course. And then Lestrade's there and knocks him out. And he says, oh, now you believe me? And he says, yes, because when you left my office... I had hallucinations and I tried to hang myself. Which again, seeing his nice face in a mirror. I <laughs> yeah, I, I saw, I saw the, uh, the pointlessness of my own ugly existence and I tried to end it. I looked like one of the Argonauts from Return of the Jedi or wherever it was. Um, I stared into the mirror and I saw David Carradine. <laughs> he said, come and have a bit of fun with me. <laughs> and he put a lemon in my mouth. And then, then the next minute I know, officers are banging down the door and I've nearly come. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear anyway and that was the day of my appraisal the boss <laughs> yeah, came in with fl- <laughs> standing on my passed chair with flying colours <laughs> something like that it's- standing on my chair wanking with a noose around my neck <laughs> screaming kung fu kung fu excess <laughs> It was a bit in excess, to be honest, too. We went a bit too far a bit with it. Too far. Um, so, yeah, so then Rafe and um, his sister, Mrs. Dribb, mm, who, is, weird name. who is now bald, abduct Elizabeth, and they're planning to use her as the next sacrifice. Thankfully, the last one, because then they can move on on their tour of the UK doing sacrifices. Whatever the fuck are they doing? <laughs> We're coming to the Liverpool Empire in December. Get your tickets for our Five Virgins Slaughter Court Egyptian show. It's bigger than the Chinese theatre. It's going to be excellent. Come along. Britain's got sacrifices. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, Williams will be up for that. Egyptian sacrifice on ice. Mm, that's good. S- or sacrifice Fice. ice. Yeah, <laughs> with Rick Wakeman doing the music. I'd go see that. Yeah, be excellent. 
Just someone skating past and someone just cuts their throat. <laughs> Can I just say, you know when Rafe reveals himself to be the bad guy, yeah. right? The clue is when he decides to get rid of the dog. Up until then, he's kind of a very understanding kind of mentor to Holmes. Yeah. Like, nothing he does... I mean, other than the fact that the character list is so limited that there aren't only so many people who could be the bad guy, yeah, right? Yeah. But in terms of his character, you don't hate him. Right. He's not mean. He's kind of like Snape. But if you knew Snape's backstory going in, it's like, mm. oh, he's a bit mean, but I get him. He's, mm. he's someone I can trust. But the minute he fucking says, get rid of the dog, that's when you know he's a scummer. Mm, it's true. Yeah. Or it would be better if he just stamped on the dog's head. Yeah, and to prove the point and to seal seal the deal that I am the bad guy of this film, I am now going to put this poor little doggy's head under my boot mm. and slowly crush it oh. until its eyes roll out into the gutter. Oh. Horrible. You'd hate him, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would then. But I still wouldn't hate him as much as uh, Christopher Lloyd when he dips the shoe in Who Framed Roger oh, Rabbit. To this day, I still can't look him in the eye for sad, that. That's sad, that poor shoe. But it did, it yeah, did no turn idea. out later on that shoe was a paedophile, so it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> it had been trying to go and kick children's feet. Oh, no. Yeah, it was basically Pretending, yeah, Tarantino. It was a brown boot. Yeah, it was a brown boot, but it painted itself red. Like John you Wayne know, Gacy. <laughs> It used to it used to ask other shoes to tie itself up for a laugh and see if it could get out of its binds. Yeah, that's right. Never could. And then used to dress up as a clown shoe to attract other shoes. Little yeah. shoes. We found them on the end of Tarantino's dick. <laughs> <laughs> so if anything, Judge Doom there has done a public service. He has, actually. Mm. On reflection now, I see it as a bit of vigilante justice. <laughs> also, he, he, was, he was investing in the highways, which was the way of the future, so he wasn't wrong. No, he wasn't wrong. So in many respects, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, good old Judge Doom. Eddie Valiant was an alcoholic. He was clinging on to the past. <laughs> yeah, and single-handedly brought down a, a prosperous new way to uh, make LA work yeah. in terms of traffic yeah. and industry. And he uh, assaulted a lady who just wanted to give him a kiss. Yeah, well, that's American men for you, yeah, isn't there you it? Go. Yeah, especially in the forties. Yeah, especially. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so they're on the way back to the school. They fig- Holmes figures out that Wraith um, <clears throat> is Atar because of the ring he was wearing. Mm. And when Holmes and when Watson talks about the white bear at the window, it makes him go, "Oh God, how I I've been so foolish." So they rush back. Elizabeth's gone off with the baddies, and he's like, "Well, there's only one way we can get there quickly. We use Wax Flatter's flying machine." I refuse to believe that was the best option, I though. To, I've written here, are you sure? Handsome cabs. Yeah, there's an under- You know, the Uber of their day. There was a London Underground at this point. There was. Yeah. It is weird how that film is set in London, but it feels like it's set in a corner of Oxford. It does. It really does. It's not so much of a complaint. It's something that you only see when you think back. Because there's no, like... There's one shot of Big Ben, isn't there, mm, during this sequence? But other than that, it, yeah. yeah. I, it, the thing is, I kind of know that when this film was being crafted, this feels like it was one of those trailer shot ideas mm. where it's like when they see the flying machine, it's fantasy, it's adventure. Mm. It shows that it's not just Holmes with a magnifying glass looking for clues in the dirt. It's like, there's, there's a romp here. The better if he was like, the quickest way to get there is if I get on your back, Watson, and you scurry like a dog. <laughs> and I whip you and say, come on, piggy, piggy. Come on, piggy, piggy. And I put my, my <coughs> willy in you because that's the ignition. Yeah. 
And then we get dangerously close to Derek and Clive territory <laughs> with like Brasso yeah. and Dicky back rides. That's right. But you know, we're all we're, we all know where we're going it's, with it. So Christmas. why not have fun? Yeah, have fun at home imagining that. Yeah, please do. Have fun at home imagining young Sherlock Holmes riding the back of Watson naked in the snow, <laughs> having deep penetrative bum sex when they should be chasing after the villain of the piece. Sorry, we're go on. Sorry, we're an hour late, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, sorry an hour late, but he wouldn't let me finish on his chest, and we had this big problem, and we had a bit of a falling out, and then, it, then I had problems trying to get it up again, and so I thought I'd be a power bottom this time, and eventually Holmes came, but then I wanted satisfaction, but, but Watson wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really feeling it at that point, and then I thought, hang on, we should go and get you at this point, so Holmes has promised that after this, he will finish in my mouth, and then we're all good. Fuck's sake. <laughs> oh she's dead oh well well back to the drawing board back to the drawing board which is what i call ejaculation do you <laughs> do you you make a terrible artist <laughs> Anyway, so they arrive <laughs> at the sacrifice as it's going on, and we've, we're getting the wrong trousers, the wrong trousers grommet again. Mm. But, but better if they'd have used black laces, we're having a gangbang. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. Um, yeah. They get there in time to rescue Elizabeth. He destroys the temple by bringing down this big light fitting, mm. which makes it, it sort of folding on itself. Mrs. Yeah. Dribb dies in a fire. Good. Yeah. Very. She get well. No, she gets better than that. Mm. She's wrestling with Holmes, oh, yeah. and then she, he spits the thing into her throat. Mm. You know the dart mm. uh, with the pipe. He does the uh, classic head, blowing the pipe at the front. Yes, yeah. mm. but my brain now has been ruined by bottom. So I can't imagine her to get up and go get it out, <laughs> and then put it in her mouth. <laughs> then he hits her in the back of the head with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Which bottom was that? Which episode? Oh, it was the uh, Wimbledon uh, Common. Bottom, bottoms out. Yeah, yeah. Wimbledon Common. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That's every time I see that scene now mm. in Young Sherlock Holmes, I can't help but think of Rick Mail. Oh, bless him. Bless him. <laughs> bless him. Um, um, so, yes, you're right. She has hallucinations and dies in a fire. Wraith then grabs Elizabeth off of Watson and runs off. And Holmes is unconscious in the burning temple. But Watson rescues him by attaching a, a rope and pulley to the back of a carriage, which pulls which, which him is. Up. Yeah, which which is thrilling though, mm. because the way they edit that that whole sequence logically doesn't make a lot of sense. No. And the geography of the pyramid's height, the depth of the warehouse, the street level, the rope, all the pulley systems—I don't believe makes a lot of sense. No. But the editing and the music absolutely sells that scene, and it's thrilling. And it's also a great scene where it's like Watson uses his intelligence yeah. and brings something to it. He's not like the um, the nineteen, you know, the the. the uh, what's the name of the guy? Nigel Bruce. Oh yeah, Nigel, Nigel Bruce. Yeah. Nigel Bruce's role that was kind of bumbling and pathetic mm. and clueless. It's like at least this Watson has some agency and is a hero for a moment. Mm. So I love that scene. I think it's impeccably directed and it's a quite a thrilling set piece. Yeah, agreed. But he comes out mm. and he's about to confront Wraith when Wraith turns around and he's got a pistol. And he's oh, shoot but Elizabeth stands in front. No. No. She's shot. Yeah, she she did the old Bond thing mm. of sacrificing her life because she saw a gun coming out of a cloister. Yeah, like in Spy Love Me. Like in Spy Love Me, and what was the other one as well? Doesn't <clears> it happen? <throat> Doesn't happen a few times in Bond. Oh yeah. Like I know. Uh, uh, oh yeah, because um, 
you know what? We can't talk about Bond. No. I will go off on a tangent. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, effectively, women like to throw themselves in front of bullets. Yeah. And that makes them brave in my book. Oh, absolutely. Because she's, mm. and she gets a good squib as well. There's a little pfft, blood comes out of her stomach. Yeah. Which for a kid's film, you know, wouldn't get that these days. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. You'd get it off shot or off mm. camera. You know, it would happen outside the scene. You'd just see a close-up of her eyes roll back and go, uh I want to see a big squib go off in her throat. <laughs> That's what I want to see <laughs> in a kid's film. Fucking tendrils just flying out. And... Yeah, I wanted to see full Robocop. You have 10 mm. seconds to comply, see? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking. In young Sherlock Holmes. So then they have a sword fight on the ice. And which then, is all right. Which is fine. And then, But the funniest bit is when Wraith says to him, let's tarry a while longer as your Elizabeth's precious lifeblood flows from her body and then immediately falls through the ice and goes under the water. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a certain bit of kind of anticlimax oh. to that death yeah. because <laughs> Holmes doesn't really do anything but defend himself. Mm. They, they fall through a window and he gets a box on his head, but that's standard fur. Yeah. So it would have been nice if he'd used some kind of clever trick or something Holmesian to trick him into, like maybe the ring, he puts the ring on his finger and blinds him and he falls over. Something like that. I think it's because uh, because we find out who he is later, I think they're thinking about, you can't ever kill Moriarty, can you? Because you've got to have him come back. True, but mm. it, all, you, all, all I would have done was like still have him fall under the ice, but I, I would have had it so what uh, Holmes was at least in control of that, as opposed mm. to it being a you've been framed moment. You could have given him a dicky bat ride around the ice. <laughs> Watson, apply pressure to the wound while I fuck the shit out of Wraith on the ice. I'll teach him. I'll teach him, Watson. Anyway, Elizabeth dies. I know. It's very sad. My partner absolutely got furious at that. Goes, she shouldn't have died. And I was like, but no, that's that's kind of the point. The at the building. end of this film. You have mm. to strip him of everything he had holding on, every kind of human facet he had he was holding mm. on to, and take it away to protect himself. Yeah. So it turns out Wraith... And this, then we get more Michael Horden saying it. He basically says, right, it turns out Wraith fought for having Wax Fatter stay on at school grounds and spent years plotting revenge. And he took his time to build followers, followers and a pyramid. And then... I mean, mm. five years, yeah. do you reckon? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the time scale is on finding all those. I mean, obviously, a long while. Mm. But did he start in the school first? Was this going on in the background while him and Holmes were fencing in their younger days? He, talk about, he talked about anti-lockdown and anti-vaccines. <laughs> yeah, all those little giveaway signs now that, in retrospect, should have clued Holmes in earlier to Rave's nefarious schemes. And then Watson goes... Like, his, mm-hmm. yep. like him saying, I hate that fucking wax flatter and I hope he dies one yeah, day. yeah. And all those things. good to have him around, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's good to have him around. But you just said, no, don't worry about that. Um, and then Watson goes, oh, by the way, I've also figured out something. And Holmes goes, what? And he goes, well, Altar is Wraith backwards. And Holmes literally goes, ah, oh, good, yeah, but I'd have thought of that eventually. So Yeah, I would have gotten that. Thank God his name wasn't Turtnook. Because <laughs> that would have made it really odd for him to get a job <laughs> in a school. A very classy school. <laughs> I know it was an obvious joke, it's but good, I really... Though. I enjoyed it. When am I ever going to get the chance to do that kind of crap ever never, again? Eh? Never. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, Holmes takes away his one shining light. And then he goes, oh, by the way, the polar bear... It's a polar bear at the window because the only 
South, the only room with an all southern view would be in the North Pole. Uh, and then Holmes went, yeah, but that wasn't very pertinent to the life or death situations we were going through. Yeah. I kind of wish you'd kept focus. We could have solved this crime it's, earlier. It's a bit like you on 9-11 following George Bush around <laughs> with a crossword book going, oh, I can't get turned down. <laughs> People are dying. Yeah, but no, it's not it's that. Five wo- it's five words. It's five letters. <laughs> <laughs> Another word for death. <sighs> Fucking hell! I can't get through to him today. Um, so he gives he gives um, Watson gives Holmes his pipe. Not like that. <laughs> <laughs> Now's not the time, Watson. Again, in the future, we may we may come across each other. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so now he's got the deer stalker. He stole the, he stole um Wraith's jacket. He said it was like a yes. trophy, so like like having a uh, like having a tiger skin rug or something. Oh, that's why I wrote down skin of a leopard. There I was thinking, what the fuck am I writing? I know I was writing all <laughs> you, these you're notes watching Brave Star. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit, I was watching Grey Stoke. I didn't know we were watching Indiana Jones. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so he says, so he's got the hat, he's got the coat, he's got the pipe, he's all ready to go. But he's going off to another school because obviously he's still expelled, even though by now yeah. someone should say, maybe we should have him back because he's just saved the day. Yeah, we found out one of our teachers was a serial killer and a cult leader, and uh, he saved the reputation. So Watson's not expelled, but Holmes is. Yeah. That's right, some fucking bullshit, right? There. I, I, I get the impression that what Holmes is like, ah, fuck this. Mm. Bird's dead. Mm. T- best friend teacher's dead. Mm. Got this chump as a new friend. I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm gonna ho- I'm gonna hang out with my sister Anola and see how she's getting on. Yeah. Have you watched any of that? No. no. But I have. This is not anything to do with the fact that I barely have time to watch anything yeah, these days. Same. I will make time to watch a film that I saw a few times twenty years ago. But anything new can get in the bin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Moffat gave um, Sherlock a sister, didn't he? Yeah. God, that was fuck. I can't tell you how much I hate Sherlock. I, uh, I liked. I liked the first series. Bits of the first series. I. I, I just. I just. It went right up its own ass and. Holmes is many things, right? But I don't think he's a psychopath or sociopath. I think he's a guy who suppresses a lot of stuff to get the best out of him intellectually. So I think there are moments in stories Holmes has done where he does have genuine compassion and empathy and cares about things. But that's a, that's hidden behind these levels of intellectual facades, right? Mm. So when you just paint Holmes as a cocky prick who's way too smart for everyone doesn't explain himself and just presumes because he's smart, he's therefore the best. It makes for a really inert character, mm. and I don't care for it. And he doesn't do any of the wheelie back rides. Not none. No, not, not one. one. Disgusting. Despite how you know frothing at the mouth the fan base was <coughs> for wheelie back rides. you know them to go on a dicky back ride. Yeah, it, it never happened. In his dicky back palace. Yeah, that's a George and, Harrison you know, song. Is it? Welcome you to Dicky Back Palace. <laughs> was that that collab with Gary Glitter? No one oh, speaks about. It was called Cracker Box Palace, really, but it's just, it works. It works. Yeah. I mean, for the sake and purposes of that moment in time, yeah, it worked. Yeah. But but you young kids these days, none of whom are listening to this, with no. your Marvel films, with your post-credit scenes, 
me going to the cinema to see this when the credits came up I, I, I left with my mother you didn't see the end I bit. didn't see it till it came out on video because someone no. told me about it later you get a, a shot of a of, of a innocent looking snow cab thing yeah going through horse-drawn a, carriage a horse-drawn carriage going through the ice in the snow somewhere snowy and he mm. checks into a hotel and we don't see who he is and he signs in the guest book and he writes Moriarty and it's Wraith it's Rafe, he's not dead, and he's actually Holmes' biggest enemy of all time ever. Uh, which Even though he's barely in one story and is mentioned briefly in a second. Mm. They, that, I've always found that interesting that Moriarty was this huge big yeah, thing. He's like super, Superman and General Zod. Yeah, but yeah. like in terms of the actual footprints in Holmes, it's like he's barely he's barely there. He's only ever spoken about in past tense. He has the biggest I mean, story though, doesn't he, with the Rickenback Falls, whatever it's called. Yeah. Rickenback Falls. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting though because like the idea is that Holmes and Watson are on the run for most of that story mm. and the only reason why we think Holmes has died is because Watson quote unquote solves the mystery at the end by putting all the clues together and presuming they both fell to their death yeah. but what but Moriarty is a character almost barely even features in Holmes and it's fine it interesting that they always keep pulling him out and making him more outrageous or extravagant or you know, like an evil Bond genius kind of thing. Mm. And actually he was just a sad old man who was really into maths and mm. doing and doing like accounting for like bigger crime families. I liked, um, Something like that. Jared Harris was good as him in that terrible Sherlock film. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say I actually really like Game of... Is it called Game of Shadows, yeah, that second one? No, I did one? not like it. I liked it simply because its whole finale was just like two people talking. Mm. And I kind of like... You don't often get that in a big budget no. film. And it was like to just see... Two men, even though it's a little bit bollocks. Mm. I did watch a video about the chess game that they play at the end and how it, it, it works and how structurally it fits the plot and this, that and the other. And I found that fascinating. So I would give it a slight pass. Six out of ten. Guy Ritchie was obsessed with chess then. Yeah. Because he did that film and, Revolver and he did that commentary about it talking about how great chess is. Well, if they ever remake any episodes of Columbo, he can remake that fucking interminable chess episode. Oh, God. I watched that the other day. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> fucking dreadful. Yeah. Although he was a death guy, wasn't he, the villain yeah. in that? So he must have been on FaceTime and they accidentally murdered someone. <laughs> he was doing big fish, small fish, cardboard box yeah. and pushed the guy through a machine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, there you go. There you go. Young Sherlock Holmes there. I love that film. Sh- I, should I, have I been genuinely... three of them should at least give us one more. Yeah. It was delightful because I, it, it, it's just, it, first of all, it's like a solid adventure. Mm. I think considering it's like an Americanized version for kids to sell the idea of a, of, of a meeting that never happened until much later on, it works conceptually for that. Yeah. And they get to have their cake and eat it by having this kind of fantasy adventure, mm. but it's all built around kind of true Holmesian logic. Yes. Oh, I love it. And, and and the music's great, and I you know it's just it's delightful, and it, it was a genuine surprise mm. to know that it didn't do very well financially. Yeah, it's very sad. Mm. But there you go, and there's a Blu-ray coming out of it next year, which has disappeared off Amazon. So that's exciting. Has it? Because yeah. I've pre-ordered mine. Yeah. Well, it's uh, when I when I checked again the other day, it was saying currently unavailable. No, oh, I'm wondering. I, I just oh, just fucking cursed this thing. We can have Short Circuit fucking two mm. released on Blu-ray with like 90 minutes of extras, yeah. but we can't have a Spielberg-produced Amblin 80s kids' adventure film mm. on Blu-ray at all, unless you want to go to Germany and get one. I'd love to make a little little 
a special features documentary about this. Get them, the boys back together, get them chatting. Yeah. Because they did reunite on stage, didn't they, a few years ago for a charity thing. Oh, I did not know yeah, about that. Like, on what, YouTube. the director and stuff? Uh, no, it was just the two of them playing Holmes and Watson again. Oh, because I know he played Holmes again once more in that Mr. Holmes. Film, Mr. Holmes. Yeah. Playing a, another actor playing Holmes in a silent film or something, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And if you're doing yeah. a Guy Ritchie podcast... You can what? stop doing that. Well, you can do first this of all. Film. If you are, stop doing it. You can do this film because not only did Guy Ritchie do Sherlock Holmes, but Nicholas Thingy Bobby, who plays Sherlock Holmes, he's in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. He does. He gets his foot shot off, he doesn't does. he? He's Winston or whatever it is. Chill Winston. Chill Winston. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know. I I genuinely love, and it's been yeah. delightful to go back and watch this film. Yes. And if 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 this commentary chat hasn't put you off it. Mm. Uh, don't listen to us. Just go and enjoy it with your family. You'll have a lovely Christmas day. You will. Uh, So, Paul, Gavin, thank you so much, and Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, and I hope all your dreams come true. I just hope that dream isn't a dicky background through the garden. (laughs) It it is, actually. That would be my my terrible hallucination. Having to give Cheggers a dicky back ride around the naked jungle. In that case, I'll see you uh, on Christmas Day outside your place with a suspiciously low cracker at my waist for you to pull on. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 